0: Welcome back
1: to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davis, and I'm joined my good buddy, Ethan Huffman.
0: Ethan, the NBA is
1: back. Yes, it is, and I'm ecstatic. It's good stuff. We're watching basketball. Basically, well, I slept a lot yesterday, but basketball was on from 10 AM specific till 9 PM. It was an incredible day.
0: I it's been ever since, you know, Thursday, and you you know, getting ready for, for the season, watching yeah, watching some pretty good games. I um, mean, all the games that have been nationally televised have been pretty good. I, I you know, we've still got to work out our NBA league pass situation. So have been able to watch you, uh, sons, uh, you know, here, here the Suns are interesting and fun. I, I see that on Twitter and I want to be able to see it myself. Uh, but NBA is back and it's good. Like we, we've been watching a lot of college basketball, uh, over the hiatus and, and just going from the level of Seeing Anthony Edwards trying to score when everyone's in the paint uh, is just—it's tough. It's—it's it's a tough aesthetic to—to to, to get into um, that much. But now we've got um, T.J. Warren hitting 53 points. So wow. like, it's—it's—it's it's, it's great. And, and and you know that's one of the things. Obviously, you—you—you've got to like Ethan. What are some other things that you like as uh, that you've seen so far
1: since the NBA's come back? Let's just get to the point heat centric stuff here uh bam duncan robinson doing their stuff catch and shoot dribble handoffs oh just pretty stuff from the heat offensively i mean the nuggets were down some good players so like not surprising that the, the game slipped away towards the end of the third quarter but it was it was nice to see my boys uh two of my favorite players uh duncan robinson and bam just kind of executing offense to the the nth degree and just being a special special tandem again
0: yeah, I was I was in, in you know YouTube TV got it recorded. I was able to watch about the first half. I wasn't able to get to the second half of that game, but you know just, just some of the things that they were able to do get to do together. The gravity that Duncan Robinson has, and uh, and and the panic he can instill in teams, and the way that Bam just maneuvered and operated. That was that was really cool.
1: I think one of the best things about the way Duncan played that game specifically is Duncan um, going into today for the whole regular season uh, or yesterday he had. Basically, averaged slightly over one two-point field goal a game. Like he is what they call a, a three-point specialist to the nth degree. He only shoots threes. And yesterday, because of how often the Nuggets were closing out hard, he was actually taking a couple dribbles, getting into the lane, shooting some free throws. Like it was interesting to see him show that he's not just a sprayer. That if you over-attack, he has the ability to get past you know that kind of defense. And like, I, I believe he had, you know, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the box score right now, but he, yeah, he shot seven, not, he shots, sh- I can't read, never mind. This has been a terrible segment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I mean,
0: one, one thing enjoyed, I would do, I do <laughs> some of the passes, some of the passes that he made, um, were like, even again, he's not notably that, but like, just like, again, some of the two man game that he was able to work through with Bam, uh, was, was pretty enjoyable.
1: I'm dyslexic people, and these numbers were all just moving together. He shot uh, four free throws, all of them off of layup attacks, and he had two two two-point field goals otherwise. So what I'm saying is he actually made it inside the three-point arc, um, although I've never seen a a stat sheet that goes field goal percentage, free throw percentage, and then three-point percentage. I've never seen that, and the NBA.com just threw me off horribly. Let's continue yeah. on to other good things. I can read this off the dock. TJ Warren, 53 points, 20 for 29 field goals, 9 for 12 from 3, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 blocks. What a game for the guy. I don't know when I said it, but I remember distinctively saying TJ Warren can get you 50 one day. I can't find it. I went back and listened to the uh, State of the Franchise pod, and it wasn't there. I thought that's where it would be.
0: Listen. Listen, I went back and listened to all the pods. Like so, so, in our very last pod, go back and check it out. In the wings, you you uh, a comp you throughout was T.J. Warren, perhaps for uh, Denny of Dia. Uh, you know, offensively speaking, you didn't talk about it there. I went all the way back to when T.J. Warren was acquired by um, you know in in the um, you know preseason preview. Wasn't there either? You say it's not there. So again, Ethan. Well, I know we do a lot of pre pod stuff. Evan's not not out there. Here, ball listeners, if you can find it, Ethan would really appreciate it. We'll we're we'll not on the pod. And we'll give you a shout out because I I, I don't believe I, I I'm not a believer at the moment. You need to. You, need to just you don't think commit. I said that? You don't, don't believe know. it? You don't remember? I, I don't know, Richard. I, I this is rude. I, I don't see receipts. It, it, this happens to me a lot though. It's like, um, you know, back when Bull Bull uh, went off. I guess we should probably throw that. in the Things you like? Do you like to see Bull Bull out there? You, you know, even if it's. You know, he's doing a lot of good things and a lot of bad things, a lot of fun things. Yeah, bad you guys. Know. He's
1: not actually good at defense. Kelly Olenek gave him all the work in the fourth quarter.
0: This, this is this is true. But um, I was going back as, you know, obviously it was a good pick at the time. And I, I was trying to uh, talk with uh, my buddy Isaac, who's a Denver fan. Um, I was trying to think. I feel like I said, hey, that was a good pick. Maybe I said it to him in person sometime over the phone. I was looking through old texts and things it was never never a message to him i sent about bull bull so i i don't ha- i don't have the receipts and that's what you don't have right now ethan so i'll find it you'll, you'll you'll find it other things i like you know i like that um basically the los angeles teams we know like they've i feel like they've demonstrated they're the top class uh of the of the west and uh, you know obviously that that game they played against each other was great 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 finish great game uh, Paul George has been playing very well. Um, and, and I just, I look at it and it's like, okay, obviously these two are a cut above and I just really hope that we get that Western conference matchup. Like I, I just, if it doesn't happen, a disservice has happened in the NBA bubble.
1: Yeah. Both those guys, those, those teams look like sharp to different degrees. Like it was a fun game, obviously, but that minus Lou, Will and Harold, we'll see how that uh, changes things. Um, but but
0: I, yeah I, have, I also feel like i don't like people like oh well you know they, they were missing lou will and harrell and obviously the lakers are missing um you know uh rondo and Avery bradley all well, they're not getting those guys back whereas the assumption is you know we're going to get uh, both harrell and Lou will back but at the same time Richard jackson didn't have a bad game and he's probably eating into a lot of those lou will minutes right um uh even uh J. Michael green um uh he played very well that game and, and he's probably eating into a lot of the mantras here. so, so while we can't just assume, okay, add those guys back in. And obviously it's a, it's a raging win for the, for the Clippers. It's, you know, I, we're finding, obviously the Clippers don't necessarily have an answer for Anthony Davis, um, but that it's, it, it's difficult on LeBron. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a fun matchup and I hope we get to see it. And obviously they should have traded for Andre Drummond at the deadline instead of Marcus Morris.
1: Yeah. You can definitely see that they don't have an answer for, for Davis. And that doesn't change with Harrell back or Lou will back. The only thing Lou will um, coming back does. I mean, obviously like he will help some offensive sets like every other game. We'll just say on average, but he's a, he's another sieve defensively. He creates a problem on that end and you had to decide, does he, what weighs more him, his defensive problems or his offensive success. Um, Either way, we've seen both those teams play a little bit. The the Clippers destroyed the Pelicans as a terrible-looking team right there. But to talk about the Lakers just a tiny bit more, I know everyone, calm down. We're not pubbing them up this time. The Raptors dismantling the Lakers last night. Um, Defensively, OG and Siakam on the top of their game, really blowing up a lot of what Anthony Davis and LeBron were wanting to do. Um, Raptors, scary team.
0: I hear that Kyle Lowry did things, and I'm saying I hear this, even though in my I was prepared to watch the game. I, I was waiting. ESPN was pulled up, uh, you know, and caught the tail end of, of of you know the the previous game. And I'm just ready. I'm just ready for. It. And then for whatever reason, now we're gonna things we don't like. Ethan blackout rules during a pandemic. Why am I not allowed? Why am I disallowed from watching? I got YouTube TV. All right. So so the, they're. They're shutting me down here. I was unable to watch this game. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. I could not watch the Lakers versus the Raptors game. I, it, It's I'm really frustrated. There should be ze- like this should be a rule. There should be zero blackouts during this pandemic because what am I going to do? I can't go to the game. I understand the blackout rules are there to try to help people go to games. I can't go to the game. I can't go watch it. Come on. It's come on nba it's figure it out figure out your your i know i also know that us playing these eight games beforehand is so that we can assuage tv markets and make make them make them feel good uh about you know whatever the local tv deals that they've got but come on man let me watch the lakers raptors I, I i want to be able to watch the defense that the raptors put on uh on the lakers i can't
1: no it was it was it was an awful thing to hear and that that bodes into our league pass problems we've had a league pass subscription this entire regular season watched a lot of basketball with it richard i i know yep. some nights i i was using league pass exclusively there's a national tv games on say a wednesday night when the nba seems to be popping off and i had all three of our tvs in my household running that league league pass subscription maybe we ran out of our allotment or something <laughs> I, I, i'm joking of course but like for some reason le- the league pass has not that we had in the regular season has not carried over to the bubble and it's upsetting to me i have not been happy with it
0: I, I don't understand i know that league pass was free for for a little bit um at the beginning of the hiatus because they wanted people to be able to you know be watching things on their platforms and going back and watching old games watching even historical games and things of that nature and i don't know somehow we we got booted off so we got we got to figure that out personally um other things that we don't like um you mentioned pelicans getting crushed by the clippers uh, they lost the jazz too at the end just you know obviously their handling of zion williamson is is the biggest story here and of course zion should be the main um thing that they're concerned about he missed some time. They're kind of just work. He, you know, he missed a few games as well, so his, and his we all know about his conditioning uh, and how that's been an issue for him. But, you know, you're essentially finding that you, you just – you didn't actually come here to try to make the playoffs is apparently what I'm seeing. And if that's the case, then what is the point of – all the other teams that I, cause the point that we were bringing 22 teams is because we need to bring the Pelicans. And if we're bringing that many teams from the West, we got to bring the wizards from the East. There's no point that there's, there's no point. You should have just brought um, uh, the, the blazers and just had a play in game with them in the and in, in Memphis and, and then just get right to it.
1: I, I've had the theory that the Pelicans have been soft tanking this entire season. And I, I stand behind it to this day. I watched them in game one of the season Playing the Raptors, I remember this game well, and I was on vacation with my family watching it in the uh, in the top like the top floor of the uh, whatever you call it, the Airbnb we stayed in, and they pulled all their best players at the end of the quarter. Left in Kendrick Williams, left in Josh Hart, and no JJ Redick to be seen. Brendan Ingram's the lone good player on the court. Drew Holiday missed most of the fourth quarter, and I said these guys are trying to lose. They don't want to win, and once again. Now that they realize that it's going to be tough to beat the Grizzlies in two out of three, or it's going to be tough to stay in front of the Blazers throughout this process, they're like, you know what we need to do? We need to get (laughs) in that lottery and stay there. (laughs) Because they're like playing that move up game.
0: Flattened odds, you know. They're they're wanting a little,
1: little, uh, you know,
0: a a shot shot at the top.
1: Dave Griffin's like, hey, it would be a real shame if we uh, we bumped up there and got another good player. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, obviously you
0: want Zion healthy and stuff, but it's just... You know, I, you hate you hate to see the Pelicans playing the way that they are. They're not playing even that fun, um, and and that, that that's one of the point of the Pelicans. Um, Jazz, one of the teams that beat the Pelicans, they also got crushed by the Thunder. Obviously missing Boyan. I mean, honestly, with with the way that they're playing, Boyan probably deserves some some uh, back end MVP votes with for you know for how how quickly they they've kind of. Seemed to be, be pretty, pretty bad so far uh, since coming back. Like we probably should have just sent this team home with all the other teams that have uh, have stunk uh, that, that were that were invited to the bubble.
1: Consistent shot making is what Bojan brought to this team. Kind of like, you know, the like just the, the guy who level everything off. You know, Dobbin's going to have great games. Cool. Conley's going to have good games. Great. Joe Ingles is going to have great games everyone's in a while, but Bojan was a guy who he brought you that consistent 20. He brought you that consistent 40%. He didn't have that many games where he was like, oh, he's so hot, it's an, it's incredible. No, because he always gets closed out on hard because he's such a good shooter. But like now you're looking at this team and Royce O'Neal's having to step up and make some shots. It's not exactly his 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 deal. He's going to make some shots, but he's not Bojan Bogdanovic. And we're just seeing this team does not have the offensive explosiveness without his three-point shooting out there. And because they pivoted away from the defensive-based team, they are not that good at defense. It was kind of a, a, a waltz to the rim for both the teams that have played them so far. And you can't have that if you're trying to be a, a, a team playing an upset role.
0: Yeah, I mean, Don Mitchell seems to be pressing a little too much. I mean, again, you're, when you're adding on extra offensive responsibility. You got to be making up for, for the points and for the scoring that's now just vanished from your, from your squad. Um, well, well, I don't know. We'll have to see with the jazz. Uh, There's one more thing you don't like Ethan Um, oh. about, about this, about the restart. And, yes. Uh,
1: give it to me. Derek white. I heard he drew five charges. I did not watch this game, but I heard he drew five charges and that made me sick to my stomach. Get that out of my life. Don't put that on television. <laughs>
0: Here you are praising the Raptors and Kyle Lowry, and his foul, you know, his charge drawing and all that stuff. And here we are getting upset about Derek White, who had a good statistical game. Obviously we couldn't watch because league passes again. We mentioned
1: that already still upset with Derek White. I've often said Kyle Lowry is, is a bad person for the things he does with his flopperies, but he's got a championship and I have to respect him a little bit more. Derek White, there's still hope for you. You don't have to be this way.
0: I saw, I saw you get a little, up, little, little, little upset there with with uh, the the Milwaukee Boston game as as Marcus Smart trying to draw charges and then they oh my they, 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 they thankfully reversed the call. Um and Giannis, Giannis stayed in the game. Obviously, about Boston and they're whining about the refs. The right calls were made. Listen, I
1: I don't want to get on the soapbox this early with the NBA season just coming back. I think I've told most of my friends that I've uh, I've been a little upset with some officiating because I think they're 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 on their warm up phase too. Um, but it's it's not a charge unless the player is out of control. In my opinion, this it might not be by the book, but if the player is under control of his body, it can never be a charge in my opinion. I I feel as though
0: um. I mean, again, Zion's drawn a few charges because uh, people are like, "Oh, I just need to, to step a half step over; he's just gonna bow, bowl into my, you know, out of control and in, 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 into my chest." Um, but yeah, I think the other thing with the, with the refs um, and people have been saying this on Twitter: it's like it might be because there's no fans; you can just hear all the slaps, you can yeah, hear all the little, s- the, the little small things, and you're getting all these all these call- calls. And Scott Foster is is uh, you know making it hot in here and.
1: Anyways. especially with all the screening and like, you know, pinned down kind of stuff. Like there's so much ticky tack stuff that does happen on those that you don't get called like JJ Redick, you know, he's, he's done pitches where he shows his arms and stuff and he obviously didn't get fouled going to the basket. And it's so, like, you, you'll see those kinds of things. And yeah, I think you are going to see more of that, but, but you know, they're, It's all warm up time. That's what these eight games are for. That's the only reason I'm not upset that all these teams are here is because, you know what, we actually are able to have a little bit of a semblance of a regular season, help the teams get back into playing their peak basketball as close as we can get to it. Also, you know, for Lou Williams and Harold, the guys who um, didn't make it to the bubble in time or had violations, gives everyone a chance to have fair opportunities to be free of coronavirus and all the other things. And and have a really nice playoff. That's what we. That's what the goal of all this is. Regular like TV contracts of fill, fulfilling all those kind of obligations. That's great and all. That helps get more money for the league. Helps the salary cap stay up. Makes fans happier, even if they don't aren't actually able to watch games in person or on League Pass, depending on how it all goes. But more most important thing is to have a really good playoffs and put that product to be primo stuff.
0: Yep. All right well uh we will we'll be talking about the nba being back but we're also talking about nba prospects we've done quite a bit of work with uh this draft class and we want to let you know a little bit about some of these players so let's go ahead and transition there we're going to get to some of the other guards um that we did not talk about before we, we mentioned the top guards already um you can go back and listen to that podcast it was the first one that we really had uh you know we were absent for a couple of months. Well we were back with that one. go check it out. We're gonna go ahead and get to some. We left a guard in particular off of that podcast uh, even though you know in his ranking, in his aggregate rank, he should have been in there. and that's one Cole Anthony from North from North Carolina. Um, Cole Anthony he he had a really interesting up and down year. He played 22 games. Uh, but he basically missed from December all the way up through, I think up into February, um, early February even. And with with a knee thing. glad that he came back. Um, and he came back, they played decently well for a few games, but uh, that, that whole team, it was, like, they suffered from a lot of injuries and it just was not a good fit for him. He ended up shooting an awful 38% from the field. Um, shade under 35 from three. But it's just – it was – watching North Carolina games were a little bit of a chore for, for me as, as we watched a number of them. Uh, his range is uh, from 10 to 18. But, you know, if you listen to the most recent – I guess I don't know by the time this comes out – Sam Vecini podcast, the one where he talks about Cole Anthony and, and, and Trey Jones, he mentions, hey, there's some teams that essentially have him off their board, not because he – it's just – not because it's totally removed, but because by the time someone's going to take him before they gets to their ranking. I would venture to say is there are some people who might have him at the very, very end of the first round or even maybe into the second round. Uh, but 10 to 18 in the rank from, the, uh, from, from those dra- draft gurus who we have uh, contributing to the aggregate rank.
1: Yeah, this is just for clarification, it's episode uh three eighty nine of Game the Game Theory Podcast. So if that's not the most recent, that's the one where he does talk about this stuff. Going on Cole Anthony, like I like, you know, I'm gonna skip around a little bit here, but I, I I've compared him to Jeremy Lin throughout this process where like he does a lot of things okay, but not not a lot great. Um he's not like any kind of freak athletically. He's not gonna um be able to just power through people. You know, we have his strengths listed as shot creation off the dribble and shot taking. Like, I mean, I, I agree with that. I think his quickness is his best thing. And that's what the one uh, other trait we put on here as a strength is his quickness. I think he can get to his spots with relative ease when helped like through screens and stuff. Part of the problem with North Carolina was he was the only like really good player on that team. And Roy Williams doesn't do a lot of adjustments to his, um, his coaching methods regardless of personnel, which is why you'll sometimes see North Carolina teams fall flat on their face. They don't, if they don't have, they don't get the recruits they need. They don't, um, uh, they don't perform very well, but weaknesses, man, he just, he didn't shoot well. We see that. And he took a lot of bad shots. So shot IQ and facility and, and making shots was, was terrible stuff for this guy. And, you know, I just, I don't necessarily see where he is a, a plug and play guy at any level. Like, that's what he. And he just frustrates me. He frustrates me so much. Like there's just not a lot he does well. I mean, I feel bad. Like I, I don't like being a negative person, but I, every game I watched Cole Anthony play, I was always like, man, like you are not getting it done out here. And surrounding talent was bad, but I can't get it out of my head. Yeah, and 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 th-
0: that's that's the hope. If, if you're someone who is sticking with Cole Anthony, you're saying to yourself, you know, his situation in North North Carolina basically just allowed for all the defenses to zero in on him and to you know play off the other guys because the guys who are spotting out and the perimeter are just n- not you know non-factors you're not scared of leak black uh draining threes on you right i do
1: like leaky black though great name
0: i understand but that doesn't doesn't didn't open up the floor very much we had kind of the same similar issues um that anthony edwards had in georgia where it's like okay we just need to stop anthony edwards uh, but you didn't even have a Rayshawn Hammonds to really space the floor out. And some of the guys that they did have that could shoot were also injured. Um, it's, you know, and so it drives that. You know you do see a better three-point percentage than maybe one would have, uh, you know, guessed. But, you know, 35%, you know, that's great. But then that just means that, man, his two-point percentage was just so low. And, and those are a lot of the shots he ended up taking, a lot of mid-range twos. Um, A lot of difficult twos uh, and just wasn't able to finish creatively at the rim often enough. Wasn't able to get there because he was just clamped and crowded. He wasn't able to get to the rim uh, nearly as much as he needed to. Uh, So, like, I view his NBA role as just, like, he's going to be a bench unit combo guard. And and perhaps he can find a good role there um, in being a, you know, I, I... I have have him comped. I think Austin Rivers is probably the best comp, but viewing uh, Detroit Pistons Derrick Rose this year, like that would be a you know, a high level outcome I think for him where if, if he can be effective getting to those spots in a pick and roll with spacing out there, um you know, maybe he can be able to get to the rim and finish creatively. Obviously, you've got, you know, better rim defenders, but at least you can get to um to the rim uh if if you're given given that space. Can Competently knock shots, knock down shots off the dribble. Um, Derrick Rose obviously not a notable quality, not not a great three point shooter except for a random year or two. I, I don't know, may, maybe that's kind of the outcome that you're seeing. But even so, you really don't want that Derrick Rose to be your starting point guard for a team that's trying to to do anything. His best role is something where he's coming off the bench and being instant instant offense for you because he has limitations elsewhere you want him doing what he does best and I think that puts him in that spot I don't know that that's just kind of where I see Cole Anthony and for me that's not really warranting um a lottery pick in in my opinion I I would I I haven't put together a full big board but I I can pretty much guarantee he's going to be outside of my lottery
1: yeah that's that's one of our next projects is trying to submit um individual big boards for our, our group here but I agree it's it I, I, I'm kind of sad that you I, in a way, you know, I wish we felt differently about him so we could actually have some decent opinions where we had some rival debate like no, he's this. but I have I didn't like him when I first from the first time I saw him play some basketball and it's just like I don't know where he gets better. Like his quickness is not always going to be around and if he, if he loses that quickness, he's got nothing working for him. So, so so here's the devil here's the devil's advocate. It's like
0: okay, his situation in North Carolina was awful. We mentioned that, but his shot making, if he can extend that out to three, all right, now we're talking. Like that's something that NBA teams want you to be able to do off the dribble threes, and and if you can do that in, you know, if you can get a really good uh, pick and roll guy to 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 work with, with shooting around you, that opens things up and it's just do you believe in that shot and him being able to make that shot might open up more opportunities for him to be able to get to the rim if they start going over on on a lot of those screens and playing against drop big i don't know you have to pair him up in the very right situation right i I don't know
1: and and we haven't seen him be a good enough passer to where like okay if they start crowding him or hedging hard is he going to be able to make the passes out of that if he if he becomes a great shooter how much does that enable his facilitation and we haven't seen that yet at all but the
0: argument is well, who is he going to pass to in north carolina right eh, so, good point. so 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 if if you are going to be and again i don't necessarily feel this way uh, i don't feel all all this rosy toward, it, toward toward cole anthony but like if you really feel that north carolina was the thing holding him back it's like well who's he going to pass to who who is going to be his pick and roll lob threat who is he going to be making uh you know these liveable uh passes you know Pocket passes down, down to the to the to the roller, kicking it out to to, to the wing. You know, who, who was he gonna be making those passes to? And so obviously his assist turnover ratio is just a shade over one. It's not great.
1: Yeah, he has what what we would refer to uh, when Steph Curry was at uh, Davidson. There's no one to finish the passes even if uh, he made good ones. But then again, he's not Steph Curry.
0: No, <laughs> Steph Curry's not gonna shots. Um, best fits. So, so so it's tough again like the Suns maybe if you can get him there in that bench role with the Suns and you know maybe maybe you can groom him into potentially doing something in the starting lineup but I, I don't know I think if he goes to the Suns it's kind of a bench bench unit type of situation um and and then the Magic obviously are in need of a point guard obviously they got Marco Foltz but maybe having someone who does things a little bit differently um, you know, can be an option there for you. I think, think that would be interesting.
1: Yeah, just focusing on the Suns as the reason he's the best fit. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, good pick-and-pop guy, good pick-and-roll guy, like, good fi- ba- uh, basket finisher. Uh, Devin Booker, obviously great shooter. Mikkel Bridges, good shooter. Dario Saric can knock down some shots. Uh, Cameron Johnson, the only, like, thing he does is shoot. Like, we got some, we got some options out here in terms of play finishers now, and even if he can't make some advanced reads coming off screens – He's he at least has guys that who if he makes an okay pass to will make shots so we'll see that, that if we want to see what Cole Anthony can max out as that's the team he's got to go to that's the team that he'll get he'll get some burn and he'll have play finishers with him Kelly Oubre also really good pick and roll player um for like an untraditional type as long as they don't play him with Ricky Rubio it's it's a good fit right Ricky Rubio is the only thing that doesn't help him at, on the Suns
0: yeah the the worst fits we got the knicks celtics and the kings again i don't want them with the kings the kings are a bad fit um for most people again they may pick someone that's good i just don't like any of these guys any of these fits for these guys um again celtics you know think about the brad watermaker minutes um and just think we could probably just do better um eventually maybe there's some you know uh, you know duplication there with the Carson Edwards pick, uh, but you know what? Just extra swings, and the Celtics have enough draft picks that if they do select all of them, why not take a few swings? Uh, and the Knicks, just I, I feel like the pressure that would be placed on him at the Knicks with the lack of shooting. Yes, you have Mitchell Robinson who 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 is a big, but you just do not have the spacing there yet. You also, uh, you know, have R.J. Barrett who's got facilitation. Um, abilities. I just don't think he's the right point guard there, and um, with Tibbs there, I, I don't know if that's if that's the best long long term fit there. So those are our fits for Cole Anthony,
1: and that proves that just because we don't like a player doesn't mean we won't talk a long time about him.
0: Yes, there was a little bit of that, uh, potentially, but maybe getting maybe it's that he's just we don't like him enough that maybe we talk a little bit too much about him too. Um, let's get to someone who we probably won't talk that much about just because it's kind of a. Uh, it, it's the opposite situation where he's just not polarizing at all. Um, but, uh, Maladon, uh, he, he's played overseas and he actually plays for Tony Parker's, um, uh, French team, uh, out in, uh, out in Europe. And, uh, and they, they actually have, a, a black, white and gray, uh, color scheme uniform. So, so that, that, that's interesting out there. I wonder if Tony Parker, uh, I, I wonder what decisions went into that. If, if, you know, anyways, um, so he's out, he's out there, his range is from 11 all the way down to 33, uh, we're going to find some wide ranges um, now once we've got past Cole Anthony, and it's tough because there's not, it's tough to find many strengths that he's like really, really, really good at, like this is the thing that you could hang your hat on that he'll be able to do at the next level that's really good, he's a floor general, and he just does a pretty good job all the way around, but he's also, doesn't have many weaknesses, he's not you know he's not that bad at any one thing. He's just not elite at anyone at any one thing. So it's kind of just a, you know, he can he can he can do what he. He'll, he'll just do his thing. He'll he he can probably fit seamlessly into most places. So finding a, a worse fit was was a little bit tough. We we did find one, but. I don't know. That's kind of where we're at, Ethan. What do you got here? I
1: kind I kind of look at him as a guy who's just going to come out. He's gonna he's gonna be able to shoot the ball a little bit. He's gonna make good passes. He's not gonna make a lot of mistakes. He's gonna be a pretty good defender because he's got some length and um some size that that um is not always characteristic of the point guard mold. But he again like it's it's all these things like he, his shooting. I'm I'm saying it it's still a projection because he shot 33% from the, the European line and he shot 77. Um, percent from the free throw line so it's kind of a projection and based on the way his shot looks I think he'll make some shots but we still will need to see that um in real time um I I really like aspects of his game as that complimentary player like you, you mentioned so like I'm gonna go ahead and skip down here to a best fit like I think he would make a really good heat point guard or a bucks point guard these are two teams that are a lot of facilitation comes from bigger players, uh, Jimmy Butler and bam for the heat. yon Santa for the bucks. This is a guy who can bring the ball up, get some, um, offense started as a backup role right away, maybe start in a couple of years from now, be an okay shooter alongside everything else, but more or less, he is here to keep the ball moving to, to help some bad players get buckets, but is he going to be a shot creator for himself? He's got some bounce and he can he can he's got a nice floater package, which in some some uh, highlight videos I watched, like people said, looks like Tony Parker's helped him out because he's got he's got some interesting layup packages and and floaters. But he's just one of those guys, mate. He's going to be an NBA player. I'm interested to see how much development he can have. I think he's a good backup point guard from day one.
0: Yeah, I love how you kind of pair the Heat and Bucks there, just as a kind of a trying to get Giannis over to to, over to Miami. I don't. It, oh. was, it was a sub sub subconscious, but you know, say hey, he'd be he'd be good fit in Miami. Oh, and also with the Bucks and 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 uh, mentioning specifically Giannis there, also another fit maybe for him. Again, I think those those Brad Wanamaker minutes, and let's just let, let's put him in in. Um, in Boston and give them a little bit of a different, uh, point guard from again, the backup Carson, Carson Edwards, so you get Wanamaker out of there and be able to learn behind, uh, Kemba Walker. I think it'd be a useful thing for him.
1: And the, and the reason it's a good fit for, uh, Théo, which it's not for Cole Anthony is Théo is a guy who shows some ability to play without the ball in his hands. And when you have guys like Gordon Hayward, J- uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Marcus Smart even. All those guys, not not even including Kimba Walker, are guys who can facilitate a lot of offense where, and Theo can be a ball mover alongside them, ideally shoot well with them. We didn't mention this with Cole Anthony, but in Sam Basini's pod, they broke down his shooting numbers and he was a very bad catch and shoot guy. And that's something that we... We can't we can't be having if you're playing for the Celtics. Like Brad Wanamaker, for what's worth, he's shooting a pretty good percentage from three and he actually is a incredible free throw shooter. He hadn't missed one for like fifty some odd attempts. And so that's what we're looking for from Theo is like be a guy who can play off ball enough, uh start a pick and roll, get some plays initiated, but you know, be okay with whatever the role in terms of shot attempts and all that kind of stuff goes.
0: Yeah, we got player comps here. Trying to do my best, M- Monty Morris maybe with um some of the way the he ways that he approaches offense, um, maybe something like that. Uh, you've got a different one.
1: Yeah, this, this, and this isn't perfect because I think he's a better athlete than this player was. But I put a modern Andre Miller, a little bit more athletic, uh, more open to shooting, and better probably a better shot maker. And also modern in the fact that he's not going to just put guys on his hip and play like Mark Jackson from time to time. You know, Andre Miller definitely was a guy who kind of just moved around slowly didn't run a lot of pick and rolls um always all of his career but great assist man and he probably won't pack out and have a career as long or as as effective as Andre, as Andre Miller but you know let's 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 make a cheap comparison to another French point guard shall we
0: yeah and uh yeah I, I do like the fact that you've kind of gone old school because again there's a little bit little old school that I see in his game where he's not yeah. quite like the modern point guard um but a modern version of Andre Miller is, is, I, is interesting and nice
1: again I, I think Andre Miller was a really good player, but he was a very unique player in that regard. I, I think I see that with Theo, where he's just like, "I'm gonna get here." Like, it, it, there's nothing quick about his game. Like, that quick twitch stuff isn't there, and that's what kind of reminds me of Andre Miller. It, it just kind of clicked into place when you were talking about some of his uh, some of his uh, attributes.
0: Sure, it wasn't just uh, Denver point guards that we're going that we're going with.
1: Hey, Andre Miller played for a lot of teams, sir.
0: M- maybe, maybe, yeah, I know. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, we, maybe we should uh, we should we should put him in. In in Denver, maybe we should have best fit there. Worst fit Brooklyn. I just don't like again. If you got he's got the point guard situation locked up long term, um, and I just there's too many too many point guards guys that are there. I mean, again, did when there, although maybe he won't be for too long. I just I just don't want him there.
1: I I I mean I think he's one of those guys that doesn't have a particularly bad fit because we don't, haven't seen enough of his game to say this is something he really struggles with. He can't be in this one role. Well, even with Brooklyn, though, if we're talking about guy, playing with guys who are ball handlers around him, I mean, we're talking about D- Dimwitty is an oversized point guard and Karis LeVert's a good secondary, like a good ball handler from time to time. Like, he might still fit well there. But again, like, he's just one of those guys. He hasn't shown us enough negative traits to say, no, he can't play with this guy. And I, I, that's where we find ourselves stretching out to where Brooklyn, we're talking about it being a bad fit there. Because Kevin, Dur- Kevin Durant, Karis Lavert, Spencer Dimwitty, Kyrie Irving are all going to be pretty ball dominant players. Yeah, let's
0: go to our next guy, uh, Tyrell Terry. Uh, now, Tyrell Terry, from Stanford, he also has a decision to make, uh, and the decision making day is is uh, I think by the time this gets up, uh, it's August third. I think is when the NCAA has, has, has set their their decision date. MBA uh, days a little bit later, so theoretically people could go back or declare that they're going back, and that then actually go in. Tyrell Terry has an interesting decision because he could be a guy that goes back if there's an NCAA season uh, goes and plays well that I think they've got Stanford has a couple of guys coming in that, that are, that would help them be a contender for a national title uh, in this next class. He could bump his stock up quite a bit, uh, or he could be someone who maybe goes in the mid to late first round. His range is also pretty crazy Uh from eight, eighth ranked uh, for Kevin O'Connor at the ringer. He likes him a lot all the way down to 44th. Um, uh, most people I think got him in the early to mid twenties range. And the thing with him is he can shoot. Uh, he's a guy who can, you know, he shot uh, about 41% from three, but he's got an 89% free throw. Uh, you know, so, you know, it's a legitimate, it's a legitimate shot. Um, you know, he's kind of slim, uh, quite slim. He's six foot two, but 160 pounds. So it's, he, he, is going to be a complete non-factor on defense. Um, and so with my comp, I got him at 70% of Trey Young uh, to where, you know, Trey Young, obviously his offensive ceiling is, I think, a whole lot higher than Tyrell Terry's. Um, but again, Tyrell Terry can do some stuff off ball, uh, on ball um, shooter. He has he has those abilities as well. Uh, but defense, you know, 70% of zero on defense is still going to be zero. So uh, that's where I see Tyrell Terry's uh, kind of Fit. He's going to be I think, eventually a starting point guard for a team that really, really needs a good rim defender um, uh, to be there to help him. So shooting is his main strength. Defense is his main weakness. Uh, so, again, we're, we're at the time where it's going to be difficult to find some worst fits, especially if you can shoot. But um, uh, there are a lot of best fits out there for him.
1: Yeah, now as a guy who has – he has a handle too. He's, he's pretty sh- he's pretty shifty. So if you get to the NBA where it's a lot more screen and roll, like I think they'll put a big focus on getting him with the ball in his hands, especially when he's running a second unit, which I think will be his initial role in the yes. NBA. Um, I think you'll see a team that has a lot of potential to burn some people up with second units offensively. But yeah, with, with his size, his slight build, his – I mean, he's he's quick, but what's, um, unless you're playing against a guy that can't dribble, quickness doesn't help you that much defensively because most of these NBA guys can dribble and know how to position their bodies to keep you from slipping in there for easy steals. So... I just don't see an opportunity for him to warrant like closing line at minutes as a rookie, like just because of his size. Like I I would say comparatively in terms of the the types of shots he likes to take, although his percentages were much higher. um, Tyler Hero in terms of what he did in college, but percentages wise, much better. Tyler Hero had a better surrounding team, so had more success. But Tyro Terry, in terms of shots he tries to get to and the shots he makes, he makes more than Tyler Hero did at uh, University of Kentucky.
0: I will say I think I don't know if I'm as optimistic about year one um, production from him. I feel like his year one uh, role is going to be in in the weight room, <laughs> and uh, some some team really trying to to add, add a little bit of bulk to his frame and um and and help him out there. I think we might get some spot minutes. I don't know if he'll be the backup again. We're we're in the spot where a lot of the teams he may fall to. Um, might already have point guards in place. There are just a couple of, like if he goes to the Knicks, for example, like they don't have people. So he's probably going to get some minutes. They'll just be off on defense. You got Mitchell Robinson there. I think that's helpful, right? Um, if you end up going to the Sixers, they now are trying to, maybe, maybe he can get some time because, you know, you've now moved Ben Simmons off ball to the four. Um, and, and you're trying to figure out what shake Milton, the point guard, they, they they might need one, right? So, that might be a, a way for him to get some minutes. Uh, you know, the Lakers, maybe if you don't have, I mean, obviously they're LeBron's their point guard, but with Rondo being out, and I just, I think Rondo's washed anyways, um, uh, like let's, you know, m- maybe you can get a little bit of time there, especially because Lakers are going to blow out some teams. Perhaps you can get some of those fits finding yourself early on um, contributing, but I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm as rosy year one as you are.
1: Well, and say, I think he's going to shoot well. And with that in mind, if he goes to a team that is either not a defensive powerhouse already or it it has changed their focus from being defensive powerhouse to another lane, I kind of like it. So I was thinking um, Mavericks and Jazz as a couple teams that could, who, who would do well to have a, a small guard that can spray. You know, I know Donovan Mitchell's already, you know, in there as a small guard. I think ideally Donovan Mitchell ch- transitions into being a point guard because I think, the more i watch him play against some of these you know actual two guard sized guys that wingspan isn't making up for all of the 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 you know physical um problems he might have in terms of always getting to the rim or being a little loose with his dribble it's he, he's great don mitchell's great I'm, I'm being very picky here but he needs more shooting around him you know if, and it's never a problem and if you're if you're taking mike conley off the court Tyrell terry it would be a good sub, and if you need a defensive guy behind him, there's Rudy Gobert. If he's the best defensive center in basketball, let's see him make up for Tyrell Terry. Let's see him make up for that kind of sieveness.
0: So, yeah,
1: I mean, just again, and,
0: if you're not if you're not lighting it up offensively, again, co- coaches, if you, if you're struggling, if you're messing up their defense, sometimes de- depending on where you go, depending on what they care about. You know, who knows? Who
1: knows? And, and, and this is why the worst fit we have, Richard, is the Raptors, because the Raptors are an incredible defensive team. Basically, everyone on their team is the average defender or better. Like Matt Thomas, if you go that deep on the bench, is only a three-point shooter, and that's it. So he's like the one person that doesn't play defense. But even Fred Van Vliet, for a lot of what I don't like about some of his aspects of his game, he's a solid defender.
0: Yeah, there, there are a number of other point guards when you get into, like, the next tier um, that probably just fit better with what I think what the Raptors want to do um, if they decide to go uh, point guard as maybe they're thinking Fred Van Vliet we don't want to give him a long-term deal maybe someone does uh, so anyways uh, that's kind of what we see, where we see Tyrell Terry um, uh, interesting uh, to say the least we'll see We'll see what he decides to do oh, okay Ethan the next one Jamias Ramsey um,
1: ah let he me is. start, Richard, because I don't, I don't, I don't want you, you're, you don't you're, want me, to, okay. I don't want you, you don't to want like, me like
0: stink on it. Right.
1: Exactly. So Jemais Ramsey is an interesting guy. He's a six, four kind of combo guardy player. Not a great ball handler. Um, like not to go straight to weaknesses, but he's. The thing I like about him, he's not shot great percentage from three. Historically, that has not been a strength of his, but this this year in college basketball, he shot uh, th- forty-two point six percent. Great. He's a, he's a very athletic guy. Uh, th- think about your your Jared Culver type of athleticism um, defensively. Um, shot creation. He's got a quick first step. He can he can get by some guys. Although I will I will like to say his, his dribbling kind of disables some of that athleticism if you're talking about him um, getting to the rim. Last thing I want to say about him in a, in a positive note is I, the reason I am optimistic that the jump shot is here to stay is he, I, I comped him and Richard uh, watched the video. He can give you some some feedback on it. I said his jump shot looks a little bit like Allen Houston in terms of the way he rises and stays balanced at the top. Um, his free throw percentage, though, is however is bad. So that leads you to give it some pause. But again, I like the way his jump shot looks. It's a little unconventional, as he kind of shoots with like leaning a little bit to his left. But I think it's got some some stickiness to it. I think he'll have some success. My my biggest question is if he can't dribble, what what's his what's his deal with as it being a combo guard? It sounds like he's a, a three and D guy, and we still have questions about the three. And so well, I, I, that's, I questions that's about that, the D.
0: That's <laughs> that's where
1: I'm at, Richard. Three. He's a three and D ugh, kind of guy. I'm I think that's what he is. Go ahead Richard, you can you can drown out my my tiny rose um with all your stink that's coming.
0: Listen, he's for me he just he's just a bad player. Like he just I, I in the games that I watched uh from him, there was so many times where he was just standing off to the side. I don't know if he was if it's a... I don't I don't know. He's just out there doing nothing. We're not having any cuts. We're not having We're not doing anything off-ball. We're kind of just waiting until someone passes me the ball, and then maybe I'll try to do something. A little bit Anthony Edwards-esque, except for he doesn't have the athleticism that Anthony Edwards has, does not have the uh, ability to get to the rim, and I don't trust his shot, even though the percentages are a little bit better. Um, It's, I mean, the three-point percentage is a little bit better, and obviously Anthony Edwards' shot selection, you know, maybe that's a thing where Jemais Ramsey didn't have the awful shot selection uh, that, you know, Anthony Edwards had, but you know, there's a, there's a little bit of that where I, I just do not view Jemias Ramsey as being someone who's going to be. Uh, I I just don't think he's going to be a very good player. I I don't see I don't see one thing that he just does phenomenally well. I don't see him giving the uh, consistent effort on on really either end to to do anything. I just saw him basically standing a lot of the time three point line to three point line just not really doing that much. Uh I don't really see it. I don't necessarily I feel like he's got to go to a a good place with with people who might, you know, get him in line. Uh I don't know. For me, I just I would avoid him if I if I most teams
1: so, like, to give some more perspective to this player, because, again, like, I, I, watched, I watched the same games Richard did, and he didn't perform very well against what we would consider other draft talent. You know, like, he, against Kentucky, he was kind of a no-show, and, and that's where I understand all of Richard's concerns. I want to bring some attention to a couple other players that have come out of Texas Tech recently and have been Chris Beard recruits. We got Jarrett Culver, we have Zaire Smith. So let's. I want to do a little statistical breakdown real quick. So the, both their freshman year, So um, Jarrett Culver's first year at Texas Tech, he was a uh, 11 points per game scorer, shot 40, almost 40% from three, 38.2, low like low assist, just kind of you know more of a bit player. Second year, he became more of a primary ball handler. Percentages went down from from three because I, I think his difficulty of attempts went up. Um, but his two-point percentage got better go, because he is a pretty good athlete and was able to get to the rim consistently. Zaire Smith, however, I think is the more comparable player, where he scored 11 points per game and shot, not a shooter, 45% from three on 40 attempts. So Jairus took more attempts, but still shot much higher than we are looking. People would have expected going into this year. And the reason I bring up these players is not because you know all these guys are the same player, but they they're this. They are combo guardy sized and I think are getting and got overhyped because Chris Beard likes to play a zone and we are not. Texas Tex is not Syracuse yet and people have not figured out that this defense might be a little overhyped because when you play in a zone, you're likely to get some some more statistics or some more highlights at least. And I just wanted to bring that up because when I'm looking at these guys, I see I see too much going on with that little player build. And because Texas Tech has not been known as a basketball powerhouse yet, even though they made a championship game a year ago, um, I'm bringing it into light that this is a zone defense team and that we're going to see some fun highlights from these players, but not to go overboard because Zaire Smith plays for a team that could use a 3-D sh- and D guard, and he has not been that in any slight aspect.
0: Yeah, obviously injuries are a big thing with Zaire Smith. Um, it is true. But- yeah, uh, Jemias Ramsey has the most blocks for of, of all the guards. Uh, that that, that are out there. Um, per, uh, you know, per game, essentially, um, per forty is I guess what the numbers we've got here. But uh, again, they, you're, maybe those numbers are a little bit overinflated there. I just I just don't really see, um, there the player comp that was we've got there. Uh, is sedated. And I struggle with this one. You said Marcus Smart, and then you said that we I, kind of I, we kind of we worked ourselves to sedated Marcus Smart. Yeah, because um,
1: lazy sounded mean.
0: It did. It did sound mean. Um. So, so be, best fits Nuggets, Bucks, Lakers. I threw Bucks, Lakers in there just because it's like, look, maybe if you throw them in with like a superstar like Giannis or uh or or LeBron, maybe you can maybe g- get them to get, get in action. I don't know. Um, and and then you put the nuggets
1: playing with the nuggets. Um, thinking about Gary Harris and like the way he came out is supposed to be a three and D wing Struggled with the three to start Struggled with the three lately. Again, defensively had all the talent. And I think as, as he, his role increased, he became a better defender. I look at Jemias. I'm like, well, he's got so much athleticism. If we get him in some off ball roles, I think he could be a good cutter, um, with Jokic, with his athleticism ability to finish when he gets to the rim. and because he can't dribble, that might be his best way of scoring, is cutting. And so I'm I'm thinking that the Nuggets would put would put Jamias in his best chance to succeed, um, and if he has a good defender, they always need good defenders, because Jokic, for getting in the right position, is not a great rim defender. You need that backside help coming if the guard is to probe into the interior.
0: I don't want him on the Knicks or the Thunder. Um, that, that's just me personally. And then, again, Minnesota has been like one of the best comps for nearly everybody, but Ethan, you got him with a bad fit
1: Well, because bad, uh, if if, if his shot is not real, he is Josh Akogi and he is Jarrett Culver at the NBA level or maybe even worse versions of them, because we know those guys can defend a little bit at the NBA level. And if Jemias is, is sedated and Marcus Smart, he might be caught slipping a little bit. So, you know, I, I think Jemias is going to get a bad rap from us because this is where if you watch every single game, you might get a fuller pitcher, whereas we are watching as much games as we can. And then we we see the highlight packages where there's some good stuff, like I said, Allen Houston jump shot looking guy. But you know, at the end of the day, he's gonna he's gonna have to he's gonna have to play defense at a high level if if that if his offense isn't gonna come fully around. And with that free throw percentage being low, it does give me cause for pause.
0: Yeah, it's like I, I you know you end up watching some of the games that he played against. You know, you you watch the the early Iowa State game and they ended up winning that game, but he played pretty darn. Poorly did did you know seven points and three assists and like two boards that's it that's all he did the entire game played a full game um uh, you know you see him against Kentucky you know ending up with with uh, six points and it's like okay what, what what are you doing to contribute to actual wins playing against Kansas um you know some some of these top teams who have guys who are going to get drafted pretty high uh, and you just don't see it out there don't see him i don't know being assertive enough and just doing a whole lot of nothing anyways i i don't like him uh maybe maybe someone else will and can, can get the best out of him let's go to someone else who i don't like, like we're getting we're getting to that realm here nico Mannion. um I, he, he started out the season like i remember so i watched a game from early on in the season i don't remember who the announcer was uh but it was it was awful like starting the game it's like oh man nico Mannion. he's the he's the uh the best prospect. Um, anyway, he was playing Gonzaga. It was a game against Gonzaga, and the announcer was like, "You know what? He's going to be the best prospect out of the Pac-12. Going to be the the highest player drafted out of the Pac-12." Uh, and and he's like, "But he's not the best prospect in this game." And it's like all the Gonzaga guys right now are so low in the second second round. Uh, uh, like Patricio is way down there, and uh, Joel Aiye is uh, nearly off boards at, I like at the moment. That guy. I know, I, know, I know you do. Um, obviously, Corey Kispert's out there uh, who is going to gonna gonna find a role. But, like, it's like, Nico Mannion is definitely not the number one prospect out of the Pac-12. Probably even, but Border, like, he's going to be the second. I mean, no better than the second. Probably could even be third, depending on how you feel about Zeke Nagy. Um and, and so, yeah, his range is from 90 to 40. It, it's, it's a problem. Because he came in as a theoretical, like, he could he could be someone who could shoot and facilitate and really you've only seen that in theory um i have not seen the live dribble passing that i need from him uh it's been something like something where i see him constantly picking up his dribble two hands making and passing it around that way and it's not like you don't have nba players i mean again we we talked about josh green already zeke Naji is going to get drafted in the early second round probably he, he's a young uh young young, young big there and there was there was spacing around I just don't see what this guy is doing Again, his athleticism is the huge knock on him defense not one single block all year like you could trip and accidentally stumble yourself into a block not one all single year I just view him as his NBA role being a G League point guard hopefully for a really good developmental team to get him out of the G League but I that's just where I see him starting initially and what teams are gonna really want to invest in in that if especially early on? I don't I don't know I don't know where he fits. It's tough.
1: Yeah, he's I, I pulled up on Tangathon because I was curious. I I kind of like looking at their stat strengths and weaknesses just as a gauge. It is a plus 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 on draft age because he's very young, you see, <laughs> and it's a plus on assist to, percentage to usage everything else is must be a neutral or an actual negative because that's what like it's just he's not he's not particularly good at anything and now granted i've watched a couple games of his and been like oh that was cute that was nice that was good but that's all a small sample size in like the three arizona games i've watched and there's a lot of like not being quick a lot of like, getting bullied physically, and I know he's a young kid, but it's it's college basketball, and this is a, a, a lottery pick when the year started type of talent, he just has, he, he didn't, I wanted to like Nico Mannion, full, full, full blown, because one of the reasons I listen to the Titus and Tate podcast, the college basketball podcast used to be of the Ringer, and now they're, they're independent slash with Fox Sports, and, they like would talk about Nico Mannion when he was a prospect coming in, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's gonna be fun." You know, a ginger guy, some some uh, some physical abilities, good shooter, and then all the percentages tell you, no, that's that's just not the case.
0: Yeah, you're shooting 39% from from the field, 30, you know, below 33 from. From three, you shot a good free throw percentage. That's nice, but when you and don't have to shoot it over anybody,
1: that- I'll say this: like his, I I think he will be an okay shooter because I think most of his his point his shot attempts came from him creating himself. He was not a guy who was helped by getting set up by other players. That's just the way that team was ran. So there's a chance that Nico Mannion becomes a a ball moving catch and shoot guard at the NBA level. That is more like a 10th, 11th guy, but I am not seeing in any situation where he turns into a starting caliber point guard.
0: No, I mean, I, I, again, I have, I have no NBA player count for him because he's not an NBA player. Like he, he's, he's a six foot three point guard with a negative wingspan atrocious on defense and hasn't proven he can do anything on offense like if you're going to be going after again like the Trey Youngs or even we mentioned Tyrell Terry who's going to be a zero on defense at least I know I'm getting some offense at least I know I'm getting quality good offense Uh, and you can actually you can do things uh, off the ball and on the ball Uh, you can make life difficult on other defenses and so that's where you make up the gap why do I want a, a bad defensive player who is not going to be helping me offensively. Like, I just don't see a role. Like you're going to need to get that offense level way up. And even still, how is that? How is that any more than just a, a backup spot minutes, uh, point guard? I just, I just don't see it.
1: No, you're right. And that's why when I struggled to find the comp, I eventually settled on a player. I watched far too much, uh, which was Jordan Crawford, who, um, in s- situations, bad defender, obviously, um, but could, create his own shot a little bit, shot a lower percentage from three than I think he was a shooter because often he took shots off the dribble, but in a pinch could be a facilitator. He had that that's a spurt with the Celtics that made him a very valuable player to the Warriors um, in terms of a, why they traded for him. But even then, like that's that's Jordan Crawford, who honestly was way more of a shoot first player. I mean, he had a, a season. Well, let's see, was this just a season? Yeah, he had a, he had a, a, a team. He played... Eight, 26 games for the Wizards and scored uh, 16 points per game in that, that stretch when he got traded his rookie season. So, like, that was a guy who could clearly get his own shot at the NBA level at different stages. I don't think Nico Manning is ever going to be fully that. So, even my comp is bad. Richard, you were right. There's no comp. He's not an NBA player.
0: Negative zero bounce. It's, it's tough.
1: Yeah. Um, Jordan uh, Crawford
0: dunked on LeBron. Never forget. Never forget. Uh, LeBron wants you to forget. Don't forget, though um best fit uh so again it's like hopefully a team a good developmental team who maybe might have a need for a backup point guard at some point again the celtics come up and, and really honestly the celtics are just that team because they have three first round picks like okay maybe you can waste one of them on nico manning right hope that things get figured out obviously i doubt they'll actually keep all three we've mentioned this a number of times but that was that was all i came up with
1: they had trey waters playing minutes in these scrimmages lately nico manning can do that
0: he can play play some of the preseason I suppose what you're saying here
1: I'm I'm just saying like Trey Waters was a good college point guard probably a little bit better of a college point guard than Nico Mannion was but he's tiny and he's not a good defender and he's not a good shooter Nico Mannion at least maybe will be a good shooter when he's left wide open
0: see what's tough is Nico Mannion should go back to to get better but they've got a point guard because the way you've got to recruit they've got a, a good point guard prospect I think coming in from i don't know if it's from europe somewhere some some guys coming over point is you're you really don't have any place to go if you're nicomanian worst fits the raptors would be awful again for all the reasons we said for tyrell terry but you the limited offensive upside what's the point um the knicks also i i can't imagine tibbs because trying to make it happen and then it's like you don't have a point guard you're if you're drafted the end of the first round um
1: you're gonna be expected let, to do yeah, something yeah
0: let's say the Knicks don't have don't draft a point guard first let's say they go like Obi Toppin or something like that because that'd be a fun fit they don't have a point guard still then you draft Nico Mannion he, he's gonna be it way over in way over his head and I would be I'd be very nervous yeah Nixie thing to do and Ugh. again Tibbs would hate it
1: <laughs> oh man Let's, let's go to a player that Tibbs wouldn't hate, Trey Jones. Oh, he'd love him so much. Again,
0: it's uh, Tibbs would be so thrilled. Uh, just the lack of shooting that they have is is tough to, to, to find that fit. Um, but man, uh, he'd love he'd love Trey Jones. On off ball defense is the main thing that you're going. Obviously, leadership. He was able to somehow get, you know, everyone involved. You know, uh, back when Zion and and Cam Reddish and uh, R.J. Barrett were there were there at um. I he was able to find ways to get all of them drafted in the first, you know, six, seven picks. So, uh, I can't remember was camera six, eight, maybe eight, 10. I can't remember. Anyways, point is getting them, what getting, getting all of them enough time, uh, all, all of them enough shine to, to be drafted high enough. Uh, it was good. Good facilitation. The weaknesses, the question is, is the shot for real? Um, he is not a very good off the dribble, shooter uh apparently decently uh decently good catch and shoot three point apparently but the percentages are pretty good the splits are good on on that um his range again uh Savasini is the highest on him up at 17 lowest is down to 44 so again there's a wide range with a lot of these guys and different beliefs he's just he's a defensive minded guard and i think that he can carve some spot in on some nba team and uh, at least be a solid defensive backup point guard, at least.
1: It's all fair. I am a little harsh on Trey Jones. I saw him at the Nike Hoop Summit, uh, the same one that I saw R.J. Barrett at, who had a great game, very fun to watch play. And Trey Jones um, looked bad in, in person. And so like, I, I do think I put a little bit too much stock into that. Not to mention, like his shot has not been good. Like if He got up to 36%. Um, this last year in college, but to me, still like very questionable on how effective that actually, how, you know, they, they brought it up in the, in the San Vicini pod that it was, it was buoyed by like his last nine or 11 games. And while that's good, maybe that's showing progression. That's against all, as all ACC teams he's playing against. So that's, you know, better competition than pre st- early season stuff. I still doubt it though. I, I'm not a big fan of the, that. And I've seen him get mocked to the heat a lot. And because of his lack of creation, I. There's, I'm not excited about it because I'm looking at the Heat as a guy, a team who could use someone who can take advantage of some mismatches, like when all these things happen with Bam and Jimmy Butler facilitating. And if he can't shoot, that's really a problem because that's what Bam and Jimmy can't do.
0: Right, but the, but those catch and shoot numbers again look better, and and maybe that's also helping buoy things as well. Um, and so, it's again, I just I view his. Um, Floor being just a lot higher than some of the guys you mentioned, just because your defense is going to be able to keep you on the floor. Like there's a spot for you if you can be a solid and quality defender who is, you know, who, who can find yourself a small role, especially if you get on one of these teams that has some extra ball handling, like the Heat we mentioned before, like maybe the Lakers, even with a with LeBron James, right? You need someone to come in and be able to defend and shoot, catch and shoot threes. Um, you know, maybe you can find spots there that I think, again, the Raptors, this would be a more raptors um, you know, backup point guard pick where you can learn from one of the guys he's comp to, uh, sometimes in Kyle Lowry, uh, in, in that kind of stage of development that maybe Kyle Lowry has taken. I think it would be a, uh, all those three are good fits for the type of player that he is. He's going to be in the league for a while, I think.
1: Yeah, and, and this can't be overlooked. The guy played at Duke with... Yeah. The most electric team we've watched in college basketball in a really long time, you know, held up, like, didn't shoot well, but held up under the pressure, was not a turnover-prone player, was not, like, he was a guy who facilitated for those three, you know, elite prospects, as it were, and if for a guy who can't shoot, being able to facilitate for those guys, that's pretty impressive, like, they, that, they had no shooting, and they were still able to get great shots, Zion Williamson, obviously a freak, that's gonna help, but you know, for what it's Worth, like he he still manages that team. I would say pretty well. And then playing with a team this year with not as much talent, still had Duke at a respectable level. And I'm looking at like a lot of his boxers right now. I clicked on Tankathon just to kind of see his pluses and minuses and whatnot. And I'm seeing some games where he shot really well from three. And what I'm seeing more importantly. Is that he got to the free throw line a consist consistently against against teams that were pretty pretty tough defensively and other teams in the ACC. He was able to get to the free throw line at a consistent rate, and that's against um, ACC athleticism. So I like his ability to, to close. Like if it's a hot closeout, he can take it into the teeth of the defense and not make mistakes. And so if you're telling me Richard that he gets drafted by the Heat, I'm like, okay. This is fine. Where earlier in the year, I was like, absolutely not. I will not accept this.
0: Yeah, I mean, it also depends on what other point guards are available.
1: If time. Theo's still available, I will be sad.
0: I mean, if, if they're basically, I mean, again, go, going to our guards here, like, are, are you sad if they skip out on Tyrell Terry over him?
1: Well, in theory, because like of his explosive playmake, his explosive shooting, and the fact that we Already cover for a bunch of bad defenders. Like why? Was one more right? <laughs> like we already run lineups out there with with Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Kendrick Nunn with Bam and Jimmy, and we, we're a passable defense. What, what's Tyrell Terry gonna do? <laughs> yeah, what just, what can he do to ruin our defense?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just if if Kyra Lewis Jr. or or Tiamo Aladon are still there, you're oh you're oh, those shot.
1: guys are dreams. Those guys are dreams in terms like and Kyra specifically. If he fell to the Heat. And the Heat are smart enough to draft him. I would, I would be, to the moon. I'd be so yeah. happy. Yep. Yeah. Because that's the kind, that's the kind of transition player that the Heat need to go to pair with Bam. To where if Bam passes out quickly, a guy who can actually keep up with Bam in the in the oh oof. Don't don't give me don't 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 tease me with that. There's no way Kyra Lewis falls to the Heat.
0: Hey, we hey, we were talking about his range. Yeah, see, y'all can slip. I don't I don't know. Um, maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe you can. how do you guys have no picks to trade. Anyways. We have um, no
1: money either, because our 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 owner's bankrupt. <laughs> Not yet, but you know it's been a tough run for the cruise line industry. Yeah, I,
0: and, uh, you'll you'll mean be, it's gonna be so funny when when you know the, the reports are teams are gonna be selling first round picks. Can't 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 wait for one of these guys to be available for you, and then you just sell the first round pick to, to yeah, the distance. Yeah, that could happen. <laughs> oh man. Um. So uh, again, player comps. Uh. I mean, Corey Joseph, I think is an obvious one. I for me, I just went and picked out any quality defensive point guard as, you know, varying ranges. Eric Bloods was probably a little too athletic for that. Um, but, like, you know, Kyle Lowry, someone who can be a good catch-and-shoot guy, I think was, I I mean, definitely a ceiling. NBA champion, Kyle Lowry. Um, uh, you know. So, Corey Joseph is probably the most it's likely the most outcome. Fair. um, Most fair. But, you know, if you get drafted to the right spot, maybe you can play Underneath Kyle Lowry, again, the Raptors would be a great spot. Worst fits, probably Thunder. Uh, again, you got the three-guard lineup, and uh, it's just you need, you need more shooting there, and they've always struggled to acquire a lot of good shooting. Um, and then even though Tibbs would be would be thrilled, the Knicks, um, you just need a whole lot of more shooting. And, you know, maybe they go out and get a whole lot of shooting at every other single position, but until RJ Barrett can can prove that he can shoot, um, Maybe, maybe that's tough. Although, maybe the Knicks are not that bad of a, uh, of a fit. It's it-
1: If Trey can shoot 37 or above from three, and R.J. Barrett's going to be the primary facilitator, primary setup man, all that kind of stuff, I can squint and say, you know what, for the defensive like front end and back end with Mitchell Robinson and Trey Jones, I can squint and say that's fine if he can shoot 37 or higher. But we have not seen that just yet.
0: If I've got knockdown shooters at the three and the four, I'm about it, Right. I mean, um,
1: for the for the potential he has on defense you got to be okay with it yeah but again that shot not great yet
0: so so here comes an interesting portion here it's like okay and obviously we've not finalized our big boards and all the comparisons that we've made in, pr- in the past you know i mean things might get shifted around as we as we think and uh, think a little bit more and as lottery slots get get uh you know written in stone how do we compare and contrast these players like like you know, they went uh, on that Vecini pod and they were specifically comparing Trey Jones, last person we we talked about, and the first person we talked about here, Cole Anthony. And it's like, okay, so Cole Anthony obviously is the higher prospect. He's the higher ranked prospect and, you know, he probably has the higher upside. But would I just rather have Trey Jones knowing, you know, in this type of draft where it's probably going to be a role player type of draft and there's probably going to be a high bust rate for some of these other guys do do I really want to take, you know, Cole Anthony or um, Jamias Ramsey or Nico Mannion over? Like, I I might want to just take Trey Jones. I don't know. Like, this this these are like the discussions and debates that that are going on in my mind.
1: What I could tell you, Richard, is if I were to rank these six players we talked about today, I would go Theo, Tyrell Terry, Trey Jones, Jamias and Cole, and then Nico Mannion. And I'd say Jemias and Cole specifically that direction because it, I don't like Cole Anthony at all. He's 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 he's, he's he, I'm part of the teams that he's not draftable.
0: <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like someone's gonna draft him before that. Um, someone who like wasn't expecting and didn't you know didn't put in as much work and was like oh, oh hey, you know, let's just go ahead and get Cole Anthony. Um,
1: I, I, I hope I, he's I, successful. I, I hope all players are successful. I hope I'm always wrong when I hate players.
0: Yeah, well I, I will say I I've got Cole Anthony ahead of Jamias Ramsey. Um, like to my like for for me it like it's probably uh, Teo Malanon up up at the top um, and Tyrell Terry as well. Like, I got I got those first three you know for you like they're comfortably in a range. Then we have um, again just because like I don't prefer uh, Cole Anthony that much. But if if I'm a team who has a very specific need, I I need a bench score, Okay, I'll go out, go out and get him as long as I know what why I'm going out to get him and have a specific role for him. Uh, but then there's like, there's just a Canyon. um, And then, then it gets to Jamias Ramsey and Nico Mannion for me. Um, It's, there are other guards we've not talked about. So many other guards we've not talked about. that I would much rather have over these two guys. Um, It's just, this is, we've now talked about all of the guards that are projected to go in the first round or have that first round ranking uh, aggregated across all those other uh, NBA draft um, gurus.
1: Yeah, and I, I kind of know what guards you're talking about. We don't have to bring them up today because we we will get to them at some point if you like them at all. Because that's what how we're gonna start probably parsing out what we talk about next as we go through the NBA season and see how that goes. And then plus with drafts and some teams are gonna like the lottery is gonna happen at some point, and we're gonna actually be able to do a real mock draft. That's gonna be exciting times.
0: Listen, and I I'm 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 ready I'm ready for that for that lottery. I'm ready for the Pistons to I don't know where they're gonna end up, but I, I'm just ready for it.
1: I hear you. I, I want I, to know. My last thought with Jemise because I, I I do feel like we've been a lot negative on physically. The guy has some tools, and so I I it's not the same because it's almost like reverse. Like Lonnie Walker was like physical tools, but he has that enact innate ability to score. Jemise Ramsey, based on some some stats, has some innate ability to defend. But we gotta find, we gotta see that motor, because I agree with you, Richard. Just so often I saw him like moseying about, and maybe that's cause some like the zone. It's sometimes the it's hard to lock into what exactly you're supposed to be doing out there. But I don't know. I I I have I have a tendency to agree, but I I don't know. It's just I I like his physical tools. I think if he gets the right team, he could be a, a raging success.
0: Yeah, I'm out. Give me literally anyone else in tier four. Take anybody else in tier four. Well, maybe maybe not Jared Butler I don't know but it's 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 tough to stuff out there
1: all right well this is this has gotten sad
0: it's we, gotten we... sad <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> hey hey but like again the the now that we've kind of gotten this out of the way the next the next uh few draft prospects that we talk about maybe on the ends of pods again as we're talking about the NBA and the stuff that's actually going on there like I'm gonna like some of those guys so I'll, I'll feel good um talk about can't wait to talk about Desmond Bain.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I'm excited to talk about Bain and um, Emmanuel quickly together because I think they're uh, they're very similar in what where they're going to fit the next level, although like their roles will be different.
0: I'm ready, right, ready, ready, ready to talk about them. I'd rather just talk. I mean, again, I could have I could have just talked the the amount of time we took today talking about Nico Mannion, Jamias Ramsey, um, and Cole Anthony. Like just I I could have talked about those two guys for all that time.
1: Oh, Richard, we, we got to we gotta give the people what they need. Not always what they want, but what they need. And they need to know that the, you hate those players. It's facts. They do.
0: They do. They do. Um, the, Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how deep our big board is, but if it's not deep enough, uh, you might not see Jemias Ramsey. So.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm ready to suit up and watch uh, Celtics Blazers here in a second on ABC. Free plug. You're welcome. I don't know what you're going to do, Richard. I, I think those teams sh- shouldn't be blacked out of.
0: I, I have no idea. YouTube TV got to get it together. So.
1: Hey, hey, you know what? This is a good test though. It's an ESPN property. It's the Blazers. Let's see if I get blacked out today.
0: If you don't, I'm, I'm just gonna be upset. I, I need to watch that game, Ethan. I don't know what's gonna. Don't, I don't know how, but I, I need to go back and I need to watch it. So.
1: Well, we might have to pony up the the dollars to a new League Pass account because c- maybe they're just being grimy and say, nope, we went away. Season ended this date. League Pass expired that date. I don't know. Yeah.
0: We'll see. We'll see. All right, Ethan. Good talking with you today.